Welcome to Calvary Church, where we are dedicated to loving God and loving people. If you want to know more about us, please check us out online at calvary.ca. Now let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, Stephen McDonald. Welcome back to our new two-week mini-series for October called A Generous Life. As we drill a little deeper on looking past just being a, a, a nice person or making a donation of your time or your talent or your treasure, but, but living differently, living in a way that reflects the generous nature of God himself. Hello again to everyone joining us online on our live broadcast. We're so glad that you're with us today. Let us know in the chat where you're from. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome to those that may be tuning in and listening uh, to our Calvary podcast. Maybe you're jogging through the park or working out. Uh, Welcome to you as well. And of course, welcome to all of you, live and in person right here in the house. We're so glad that you're with us today. Well, the last two weeks have been heartbreaking, honestly, uh, to say the least, as the world has witnessed unimaginable violence and cruelty in Israel, as innocent lives uh, on both sides have been pulled into terrorism and war and conflict. And so as a church family, I'm asking you again to stand with us as we continue praying for Israel. Stand with us as we believe for the comfort of those that we know today. Many families are mourning the loss of of loved ones. Many more are uh, mourning the the, in that waiting period, the lives of those who've been abducted as they pray for their safe return. So it's easy sometimes to be a world away and to be living in a different culture, in a different kind of moment than many of these people are, but let's take the time to uh, show our compassion and exercise our faith as we pray and believe. Let's also pray for the, the de-escalation of what's happening in the north as Lebanon, Syria, and uh, Iraq, they start to enter the conflict. It starts to get very complicated as others kind of enter the fray. And let's pray for the ministries and the families of those that, that we know and love, the Christ followers and the churches uh, in both Israel and Palestine. Let's pray for them to be protected as they serve, as they continue to love and minister to the people around them. Now, as I mentioned last week, Bob Cave, our career Calvary uh, missionary uh, to the Middle East, will be with us live and in person here next week, and so you do not want to miss that. He's going to have the very latest updates on what's happening uh, in the region, and so uh, he'll also be talking a little bit more about our participation as a church uh, to help where we can to generously support the humanitarian aid that's currently underway as we partner with IPHC Ministries uh, and the Israel Relief Fund. You know, we have a reserve fund in missions that, that you've been giving to over the months and years, and so it's there for such a time as this. So it enables us to act very quickly and to get help into the hands of those that, that need it uh, the most. And most importantly, let's pray that the, the Prince of Peace will continue to work mightily in the hearts and minds of everyone involved. And through it all, I believe it only strengthens the resolve of God's people around the world to not be intimidated by evil, to not live a life that that is bound by fear, 
but to trust in God, trust in the one who is our strength and our protector, especially through troubling times. You know, as I watched things unfold on October the 7th and the news media was flooded with everything that that we've heard of since, uh, the Lord directed me to the book of Psalms. And in Psalms 46, verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. How many know that when you experience times of trouble and crisis, that we don't always feel ready? We feel sometimes caught off guard or blindsided. When we heard the news of what was happening in Israel, it was, it was a shock to many people, and it struck panic in the hearts of many more. But you know what? We may not always feel ready, but deep in your heart you need to know today that he always is. So today as you pray, as we pray together, I want you to pray to the God who is always ready. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. And I believe that out of this dark moment will come an opportunity, once again, to demonstrate the, the hope and the love uh, wherever we call home as Christ followers. You know, one of the things that also impacted me beyond, obviously, the, the horror of what we were exposed to was the, the news of those and nations around the world, individuals and ministries, who stepped up very quickly to generously support uh, those whose lives have literally been turned upside down. It was, it was moving to see that happen. Difficult times always stir up the seeds of, of generous giving within our lives as we support those who may be experiencing a need that we can hardly relate to sometimes. Last week we looked at a a scripture that serves as the foundation for our mini-series that's found in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6. And in verses 18 to 19, it says, Tell them to use their money to do good. All of us have something. We have, money is a tangible uh, means or, 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 or kind of measuring stick of the time that we give, the work that we do. So where we invest it is very important. But the encouragement here is to use your money to make a difference in other people's lives. Scripture says they should be rich in good works. So instead of impressive investments and large bank accounts, be rich in how you treat and love and minister to other people. And generous, be generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. So here Paul is encouraging Pastor Timothy to, to tell, to teach, to focus people on the importance of giving and living a generous life, which is the focus of this series, A Generous Life. He says by doing this, they will be storing up treasure, talking about that heavenly account as a good foundation for the future. And the second thing which is mentioned here is, I think, even more important. And it says, so that you may experience true life. True life. What is true life? True life is a, a generous life. Last week we looked at that. We looked at generous living, how our lives were designed to reflect the very nature of God. Today I want to focus more on generous giving. As we give of our time, our talent, our money, our resources, how we invest all of those things in something that is worthy, something that will 
outlast all of us. Now, as a basic premise, we all know that we don't give to get, right? We give for, for a different reason altogether. But what motivates people to be generous, like we talked about here in 1 Timothy? What generous, that, that generous living that they enter into, what motivates them to live like that? You know, years ago, before we moved to Vancouver, we planted a church, our family, in the city of Toronto. And we saw many incredible people come to be a part of what God was doing, come to know the, the Lord as their Savior for, the, for the, just the very first time. Lives were being changed. People were coming from the community, and many of those people were single moms. And as I saw these incredible uh, women of God coming to our church that are doing so much on their own, I just, it, it gives me pause for uh, saluting our, our single parents. Uh, such an honorable thing. I, I said to one lady once, I said, I, I think I need to write a book someday on all of the, the single parents and single moms that I was encountering. But one lady started to come to our church and she showed up with her four children. Now that's a, a big task for a mom and a dad parenting together, let alone a single mom. She was amazing. And she had such a love for God when, when she started to get involved in the church, it was, it was incredible to see God move in her home. But one of her children also had special needs and was bound to a wheelchair. And she had this, this old van that she would show up on a Sunday morning to church, and she really relied on this van to get them to everywhere they needed to go, to school, to church, to get groceries. Everybody piled in and out of this thing uh, back and forth all the time. But at one point, this van <laughs> was given up the ghost. It had reached the end of its life. It probably was past that. And she shared with uh, Pastor Susan and I that, that she really needed prayer to, to figure out what was going to happen because she, she relied on it so heavily. And so we said, well, why don't we come over to your house? We can pray and talk about it. And, and someone else within the church, a couple of the, the other members, had heard about her need and said, what can we do? You see, there was a joy that was, was in the lives of those that were coming to Christ within our church. And it wasn't that they were uh, abundant in their means. It wasn't that they had massive bank accounts, but they were so filled with joy for what God was doing in their life that it made them act and live in a generous way. And, and one of them said to me, what can we do? What can we do to, to help her? And so we, we kind of got a plan together, and I said, well, here's, here's what we'll do. We'll, Pastor Susan and I will go over, we'll meet with her, we'll talk to her, we'll pray with her. But while I'm there, uh, maybe I'll bring up the van and, and see if she, if she uh, says anything about it. And sure enough, we went over, and she did. But I could see the keys to her, her van uh, sitting on the counter. So I quietly kind of uh, excused myself to go to the washroom or something, and I grabbed her keys, and I went out the back, and our guys were outside waiting. And they had made arrangements to take the van during our meeting to a mechanic nearby who was waiting, who was going to help us do this. And we were going to take care of all the costs, so that it would just be a blessing to her. And so as we met, we continued to talk, and after our time together, um, she, she got up and she gave us a hug, we went over to the door, and, and by then uh, I had already kind of intercepted the guys at the door, got the keys again, and I said, uh, she said, so, so pray about my van. I said, you know what, I think your van, 
I think it's, it's going to be all right. She said, what do you mean? I said, let me tell you something. While we've been here talking and praying, some of the guys from the church have picked up your van and gone and, and got it fixed. It's fine. It's ready to go in your driveway. She just started to cry, and she said, I can't believe that you guys did this. Like, what, what can I do to repay you? What, how, much is it, how much did it cost? Can I, and I said, listen, it's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Somebody else has paid a great price for you and I to live the generous life that we're called to live today. So today we want to look a little closer at a passage of Scripture found in 2 Corinthians that I think will help to bring this truth of gratitude, what it truly means of being generous, into focus. Now as a bit of a setup, the Apostle Paul had planted a church in Corinth, and then he was writing these letters to them. And this is his second letter that we're going to read from. And there's actually two chapters in this second letter, which really gives what I believe is the motivation for generosity. See, Paul planted churches across what is modern-day Turkey. Some of you know I was blessed many years back to join a group of pastors and minister in that region and, and now plant churches today. And it's still happening. You're going to hear Bob update you on some of, some of that progress. But Paul planted some great churches that are reflected in these rich letters that he wrote. We get the book of Philippians from the letters he wrote to the church at Philippi. We get the book of Ephesians from the letter he wrote to the church at Ephesus, another one of the sites that we got a chance to, to visit and as an apostle, Paul was a, a church planter, and he loved it. We experienced what that was like as we planted a church. There are some very challenging times, but there are also times where you just feel refreshed because you're bringing that kind of refreshing to the people in that community. But Paul had a deep devotion and love for, the, for the, the mother of all these church plants, the church in Jerusalem. He felt like it was really important for all these churches that, that were really the benefactors of this great church where Jesus came from, for, for all these churches he, he planted to generously give and to give an offering to the church in Jerusalem. So he was saying, like, not right now, but in the near future I'm going to come back and what I'd love to do is to be able to take up an offering for this church. And now he's writing in this letter to remind them, and, and as he does it, I want you to notice kind of the language that he uses, how he speaks to them in this letter. Because throughout his conversation with the Corinthians, he gives this, this impassioned plea, and he appeals to this internal motivation that I'm talking about today. He gets right to the heart of the matter. And, and it's a wonderful thing as he does it. He says, you know, as he gets into it, and I think it's good for us to know, even before we see this, to think of our own context. Because for each of us here at Calvary, as we continue pursuing what he's called us to do, as we continue walking out the mission that we're committed to, I want to always, as your pastor, as the pastor of this church, all of us, well, I think it's important that we're always doing what we do out of the right motivation. And we see this in 2 Corinthians. So let's look at it. Chapter 8, let's start in verse uh, 1 and go through to verse 5, and then we'll pick it up again. It says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, 
and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed with rich generosity. So isn't it interesting that he identifies this connection between joy and generosity? is what we were seeing in our church as we helped that single mom. The joy of, of our members, it wasn't that they, were, they had incredible means, but they, they wanted to do something to be generous. It says, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but they gave far more than that. Well, how is that possible? How can somebody give more than they have? Well, I think it has to do a lot of times with what we perceive as giving, because it's not always finances, although that is an important part of it. It can be our time, it can be our talent, our experience, giving of our life. And it says, or he says, and they did it of their own free will. They went put, pushed into it. This is something they wanted to do. As a matter of fact, verse 4 says, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us. So these people weren't just writing big checks or dropping something in the bucket when it came around. They went beyond that. They gave of, them, of themselves, just as God wanted them to do. Again, generosity is more than just money. Generosity is our lifestyle. You love people, you serve people, you encourage them. We send them a text, we give them a call. We do what we have to do. We send them an email. Let somebody know you're thinking of them, that you're praying for them, that you're in their corner. It's all about giving of ourselves to other people, generously giving of our time, our passion, our ideas, our resources. It's giving of your life to make a difference in the lives of other people. Now let's jump down to 2 Corinthians, the same chapter, 8. But pick it up in, in verse 6. It says, So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. We need to all excel in the gracious act of giving and to do it in a proper balance. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this. In other words, not forcing the people to do it. It's not about the law. But I'm testing how genuine your love is. This, listen to this, because this is interesting. By comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. So Paul, in his letter, is actually provoking the Corinthians to be generous in their giving by using this story of the, the generosity of other churches who had far less but were giving far more. He says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty you could be made rich. God came to earth to live in human form. That's a lot to kind of walk away from to, to do what he needed to do. Verse 10, here is my advice. So listen to this. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. You know, many of us begin with good intentions and we're very generous even in our giving when we first come to Christ. But over time, when the pressures of life kind of start to move in on us like that 
compactor, you know, in Star Wars where they're, they're caught. The walls just keep closing in around us and the garbage is, is piling up. It's easy sometimes to start to move away from living a generous life. It's important that, that we continue and that we finish strong. He says, last year you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by, by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if, if you give it eagerly. So not reluctantly, not out of obligation, not being guilted into doing it, but eagerly, willingly, and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. So according to what God's word says about a true attitude of generosity, how should we give today? Well, we need to give joyfully. We just read that. 2 Corinthians 8, 2, in the first part of that verse, it says, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. So what does that abundant joy look like as it overflows? It looks like generosity. You know, there's a great article in the Wall Street Journal that tells us that contrary to conventional wisdom, that humans are essentially selfish. That's the go-to. People just think, well, that's how they are. Scientists have actually found that the brain is, is built for generosity. They monitored some people kind of in a test group in an MRI, and they gave them some money to give to the charity of their choice. And the reporter that was covering this story, he didn't quite know what to make of what was happening or what he was seeing. As a matter of fact, we know Darwin always believed the principle of survival of the fittest. You know, to, to get ahead, you need to look out for number one. And many people still live their lives like that today. So this article, it explores the, the science behind generosity. I find that fascinating. And the more that they studied, the more that they researched, the more that they also discovered that there's a chemical that's released inside the brain that gives off a sensation of pleasure when people generously gave to others. Isn't that interesting? Now, why is that? Because there is a generous God who has hardwired your brain that way. We are made, you and I, in his image, in his generous image. He wanted you to enjoy it so that you could show his love to the world around you that desperately needs to be a recipient of that love and that hope and that generosity. We also need to give selflessly. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5 says, they even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us. You know, since I was started following Christ when I was 16 years old. Honestly, I've never struggled with, with giving. I didn't see the teaching in Scripture when it talked about the tithe, about giving the first 10% of my income, giving the best off the top. I didn't see that in my life as a legalistic duty, but as a, a principle of sound kingdom budgeting in my, lives, in my life. You see, I was surrounded by people, my parents and others, who lived like this, and I saw the blessing of God in their life as they honored him with the best that they had. You see, generous giving became a, a natural part of my life as I did it selflessly. 
I chose, I made a decision to trust him. And when God was generous, what do we, we know? He didn't just write a check. He gave his son. He gave of himself. John 3, 16. Maps out that clear picture of how deep that generosity was. You know, I've said this before, but this church that we are thankful for is here today because someone else gave. Someone else gave of their time, their vision, their finances, their, their very life. People gave uh, a great deal sacrificially to to see the church where it is today, that we could be blessed by it. The pavement you parked on this morning is because someone else gave. The chair you're sitting on, the roof that's over our head, all because someone else gave. When you dropped off your kids at the nursery this morning and your children in kids' church, you're there benefiting from the generosity of other people who gave of their time to be on a schedule, to come early, to go home late, to give up maybe their moments in church sometimes so that you could experience the best that God has for you and your family. I am so grateful, I mean eternally grateful for those who have generously gone before us and gave selflessly so that we can stand on their shoulders and to continue being a part of this wonderful church here at Calvary that he continues to build. The other thing that we need to do is give Willingly. 2 Corinthians 8.12 says, Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. Another translation helps us to see this a little bit more clearly. It says, uh, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. The only reason I gave of my time and my talent, the only reason I gave of my finances, is because I wanted to. It was something that, that I wanted to do willingly. Many times people have said to me, you know what, Pastor Steve, isn't tithing an Old Testament principle? Well, yes, originally it is, which means you don't have to do it. We're not under the law anymore. We're, we're under grace, so we're not obligated to do it. But when Jesus came, he didn't abolish the law. He didn't get rid of it. He changed the motivation for it. It went from an external obligation to an internal delight. So now it's switched. It switched as I practice this in my life. Now it's not a got-to principle. I've got to do this. Now it was a get-to principle. I get to be a blessing to other people as I live a generous life. I get to bless the world as he did. So according to, to what God's word says about true, a true attitude of generosity, let me give you a couple of extras. And this ties in wonderfully even to uh, that great Thanksgiving message that Pastor Brad did on gratitude. It just flows from, from all of that. It's a, it's a condition of our heart. The other thing we need to do is to give thankfully. That, we, we saw that in, in that message, right? To live a life as an act of worship. So powerful. We also need to give intentionally, not swayed by emotions. It drove me crazy growing up when I'd go to a special service and somebody would be trying to pull my money out of my pocket. I could feel the pressure. I'm like, I don't ever want to give out of that motivation. I want to give intentionally because I have a peace about understanding that I just can never outgive God. That if I have a great need in my life, I've always found that it's a good time to plant a great seed and believe that he will multiply the little that I have in my hand and do miracles with it. 
You know, no person was ever honored for what they received. Honor has been the reward of those who have sacrificially given, those who are generous. Each of us, all of us here today, wherever we're watching from, wherever we're living uh, right now, wherever we've come from to this place, from there to now, each of us has been called to give our lives away and live a life that matters. But only you, only you can, can determine and decide whether you will live a generous life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the generous, loving heart that you have. We pray that we would, we would follow that and as those who are made in your image, that we too would be generous, that we would understand that this is not a, a one-time moment where we're moved to do good for somebody else, but this is a lifestyle, that we can be generous each and every day, generous in our living and generous in our giving, that we can make the difference in the lives that are hurting just by giving of ourselves. So I speak a blessing today. I thank you that, that we are a part here at Calvary Church of a very generous church. We are a part of a great legacy that continues on. And I pray that each of us would honor you with the first that we have, that we would give you the very best that we have to believe that, that where you've planted us and our families, that this is good ground and we can be a part of helping those who are hurting and reaching the lost. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Men. God's very best to all of you, Calvary. We're so glad that you've joined us and spent some time with us today. Have a wonderful week as you connect in your small groups and connect to the life of the church. And we look forward to all of you returning again as we, we come back together. But in the meantime, let's look for opportunities. Let's prayerfully consider what God is saying to us and how we can use our lives to be a blessing to others.